0: Before we get started with this podcast episode, just a quick update and a reminder about a couple of ways that you can support the show. I normally plug this at the end of the podcast, but because there is an update, I wanted to let you know right here at the beginning. You can still support the show on Patreon, and I'm focusing our Patreon support a little bit more on The podcast. So if you love the podcast, this is a great way to unlock bonus content. I'm working harder than ever to publish bonus podcast episodes. You've got a long list of scenic audio recordings that I've recorded from the parks. You enjoy a lot of them here on the podcast and my attraction episodes, but I have many more than that. Some that I've never released on the podcasts. My favorite is a new one that is a full 15-minute walkthrough of Journey of Water inspired by Moana. It's relaxing and enjoyable. You can hear the water, the music, the sounds, the guests enjoying the experience and the attraction. I'm just gonna stop my sales pitch there, but you'll want to check it out. You can get previews of all these without being a member, by the way, just by heading to patreon.com/slash podcast. You can preview all of our binaural audio without even submitting your email. Um, and if you are curious if it's right for you i would highly encourage you to sign up for a free seven-day trial you get access to every piece of content and every perk i hold nothing back a a for those seven days. If you decide after those seven days is not right for you, you simply cancel right there on the app, no strings attached, but it goes a long way to help support the show and you can learn more about what is currently available by heading to, again, patreon.com slash imagineerpodcast. The update is so you can also support the show now on Instagram. I debated for like a year, but I finally decided to put up an Instagram subscription program that is more focused on travel. So I have park strategies posted there, some itineraries and examples of ways that you can navigate the parks. I have some, again, bonus content. I have private chats that I open up, including travel office hours, where I take a little bit more time to answer your questions specifically about all things Disney in a small group setting. You can learn more about that. And it's the same deal. You can join and and cancel anytime you want with no strings attached, Uh, but that you can do directly on our Instagram page. That's it for my two-minute sales pitch. All right. Thanks for supporting the show and enjoy the episode. Welcome aboard Imagination Skyway, your grand podcast tour of the magic. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and in today's episode, I'm going to be answering some of your questions submitted on social media about all things Disney. We span a wide range of topics. This episode was actually recorded as an Instagram Live, so if you're not already following me on Instagram, I encourage you to follow us there for opportunities like these to submit your questions and comment, and engage with other listeners in this community directly as we are recording episodes like these, which I try to do maybe once or twice a year. In this particular episode, we cover a broad range of questions and topics, including things like Disney Vacation Club questions... Things like what's the minimum number of points recommended for Disney Vacation Club membership or how you go about picking a home resort. Questions about honeymooning at Disney and some other Orlando locations as well. Uh, Questions about some of the best quick service locations at the Disney resorts, traveling to Disney during the holidays, and even some of the different experiences and rides to look out for at Disneyland. If you are a Walt Disney World frequent visitor, of course, these are some topics that we discuss in other episodes of the show, but it was still great to get together with listeners of this community and to answer some of your direct questions about all things Disney. At the end of the show, we'll return to Imagination Central, where I'll share ways in which you can stay connected with Imagination Skyway, how you can discuss this topic and ask even more questions with other members of our listener community, and how you can help to support and inspire the future of this show. Please remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times, and enjoy your grand circle tour aboard Imagination Skyway. (laughs) Come sogna il tuo cuore, vieni, c'è una strada nel bosco, il suo nome conosco, vuoi conoscerlo tu? and welcome to another Instagram live that we are going to turn into a podcast episode. For those of you who are listening to the show right now who don't follow us on Instagram, I would encourage you to follow us there so that you can participate in Instagram live Q and A's whenever they happen. and you can therefore have your questions answered on future episodes of the show. For this particular episode, I did pose some questions before we got started. I should say solicited some questions before we got started and several folks did send in questions they wanted me to answer in today's Instagram Live about all things Disney. For those of you who are tuning in on Instagram Live right now, there are two ways that you can participate in the conversation and ask your questions. If you do want me to make sure that I see your questions I would ask you to use the question sticker at the bottom here because sometimes questions can get lost in the comment feed itself. So the easiest way for me to get to your question and to make sure that I do see it is to utilize that question sticker. But I will also look through the comments and look for any particular questions or follow up thoughts to the things that we discuss there and of course share that out as well. As those of you watching are thinking about any questions that you do want me to answer, as I mentioned, there were a few that were submitted and several that came in separately as well. And one of those that I do want to get started with has to do with um, going back to one of my favorite topics, which is Disney Vacation Club. Now, I am a Disney Vacation Club member as of this year, so still relatively new to the game uh, from a member perspective. But prior to joining Disney Vacation Club, I worked as a cast member at Disney Vacation Club in a couple of capacities. And also, this has been a topic that I've researched for a long time. So two questions that came in. First was about how many points do you recommend as a minimum to join Disney Vacation Club? And there are a couple of ways that you can think about this one. The first is whether you are going directly through Disney, which is usually what I recommend, but not the only way to go, or if you are purchasing through resale. If you're purchasing through resale, the answer to this question changes. But if you are buying directly through Disney, I always recommend going with the 150 point minimum, which can change over time. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast episode, best way to figure out how many points is the minimum um, is to go to the Disney Vacation Club website or to speak to a Disney Vacation Club sales guide. That minimum number is not the minimum that you have to purchase. There are smaller options available, but that's the minimum threshold to unlock all the membership extras that come with disney vacation club membership so that includes things like access to the disney vacation club member lounges access to the world collection to use your points beyond just the disney vacation club resort properties access to the discounts that are available for disney vacation club members all those membership extras which are subject to change they add and change those extras as time goes on um But that's at least the minimum I would look at. But there are two rules of thumb that I generally recommend with Disney Vacation Club ownership, which is one, and these are both things that were reiterated to me, so they're not my, you know, I didn't come up with these philosophies, but I do like to reiterate them. Um, One is to buy more than you think you need. So you look at the points chart, you find that perfect number that meets whatever criteria you're looking for, that one week in the summer every year at Riviera or that, you know, two weeks every year during the spring at Old Key West, you find that perfect number and you say, this is the magic number that I'm looking for. Whatever that is, add to it. I'd say at least 20% because you are going to end up probably using more than that and add-on-itis, which is another way of saying the desire to want to add on points after you purchase, is a real thing. Um, And so that helps to curb any need for additional points in the future. The second core philosophy is to purchase as much as you can reasonably afford. So think about how much budget you have for Disney Vacation Club ownership, if it is in your budget, whether you're financing it or buying through cash. And think about what you can reasonably afford at this period of time. It might be more than what you think you need, but that might be the case where you do splurge a little bit more on a few, on some more points um, to make sure you get locked in at that current price for Disney Vacation Club and get to take advantage of greater value in the long run. So those are two core, core different philosophies that I would utilize when thinking about how many points to purchase. The second thing to think about is... Um, or the second, Sorry, the question, second question that I got in the second thing to think about, which is the second thing to think about, which is the Vacation Club ownership, is how do you go about picking a home resort for Disney Vacation Club? This, there's also two different criteria, which also impacts whether you're going direct or through resale. Um, so if you are going the direct route, one thing to consider is that there are select properties that are technically on sale that they publish on the Disney Vacation Club website, and if you ever want to get an idea of how much Disney Vacation Club ownership costs, all you have to do is go to the Disney Vacation Club website, and they'll list it for you right there, um, to the penny, how much it's going to cost, including the closing costs, including including the annual dues for this year. The annual dues are the only thing that increase year after year, but otherwise, the purchase price that you see is the purchase price that you get. Um, there's no... Hidden fees, And I can attest to this because I've purchased Disney Vacation Club. That number that you get, that total number, doesn't add up to another cent. That's the amount that you pay for Disney Vacation Club membership. Um, there are different resort properties that are on sale right now. The ones, for those who are listening live to the show, that are on sale at the moment include Aulani at Disney Resort and Spa out in Hawaii, the Villas at the Disneyland Hotel, which just went on sale this year, Disney's Riviera Resort, which has been on sale for a few years now, and the Villas at Disney's Grand Floridian, which I expect will probably not be on sale for much longer. Um, It's been on sale for a couple of years, and there were not that many additional rooms that I'm aware of that they added to that contract, so that one I don't expect to be on sale for much longer. The one that they announced that is coming out in 2024, it's when it's going to be on, not necessarily opening, but that's when they're expecting to start selling this one. Is the expanded tower they're building at Disney's Polynesian of the villas at Disney's Polynesian Village, which is between the Grand Floridian Wedding Pavilion and the current buildings for the Polynesian Village. They're they're building. You can see it right now, being constructed a new tower for Polynesian. That one's going to be on sale. I that from what they announced should be in twenty twenty four. So those are the formal home resorts you can choose from. On Disney property if you're purchasing direct however you technically can ask Disney still buying direct and still getting those same membership extras that come with a hundred fifty point minimum if they have older inventory available if you do really want boardwalk as your home resort or if you do really want old Key West as your home resort um, whatever that resort might be Animal Kingdom Lodge they can look up their inventory and quote you a price it's gonna be different than what's listed on the website Sometimes less, sometimes more um, than what's on the website, especially for places like the Grand Californian or Boardwalk. These resorts, despite being older, are in high demand with limited supply, so the price you see is typically lar- larger or higher than what is actually on sale for the newer resort properties, and keep in mind that those older resorts, you don't have them for the full 50 years because for everybody, it's the same start date, whether you purchase new or whether you purchase through resale so that for instance boardwalk the villas of boardwalk have at this point only 19 years left to go of um, disney vacation club membership so you're paying that price for 19 years as opposed to if you purchased at the villas at disneyland hotel that's 50 years if you're getting that membership offer for Um, so it's rather complex but technically you can purchase a home resort that is not listed there directly through disney to unlock those membership extras or through the resale market, where right now you're not going to get access to those membership extras. There are some resale restrictions that we're not going to get into in today's Instagram Live because it is rather robust of a conversation, but those are things that you'll want to consider when choosing your home resort. Now, that goes back to the question, how or why would you pick a home resort? Everybody has to pick a home resort of some kind when they become a member of Disney Vacation Club, whether, again, direct or as a resale contract. Your home resort gives you a couple of differences. One, each home resort has its own unique annual dues. So the annual dues you pay are reflective of the resort that you are the home that that is your home resort. Um, So, for instance, um, actually, some of the most affordable annual dues are at, ironically, the Grand Floridian, Um, the Villas of Grand Floridian, the flagship property at Walt Disney World. Um, And some of the higher end annual dues, at least at Walt Disney World, are at Boardwalk. I'm sorry, not Boardwalk. Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, Not Boardwalk. Boardwalk is higher than Grand Floridian, but Animal Kingdom Lodge is technically even higher than that. A lot of that has to do with the actual operation and maintenance costs that the hotel assumes in um, in their sort of financial planning. And the reason why you would expect Animal Kingdom Lodge's annual dues to be a little bit higher is because not only do they have the resort and amenities to maintain, but also animal care. So all those annual dues are also going towards animal care and making sure that the animals have a safe and healthy environment to live and to play um, and to grow. So those are all things to consider. That's one thing that changes with your home resort is the annual dues. So naturally you think, well, I want to go with the lowest annual dues, but wait a second. The main reason to think about a home resort is the home resort booking window advantage. All Disney vacation club members can book any resort seven months in advance. Unless it's your home resort. For your home resort, you can book 11 months in advance. So if you really love... I keep using Boardwalk as an example. If you love Boardwalk... Or let's think about something that's actually uh, on sale directly through Disney and published on the website. Let's say you absolutely adore Riviera. You love the Skyliner. You love the access that it gives you to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. You love Le Petit Cafe and Topolinos. You just love the atmosphere of Riviera. Well, you can have your home resort advantage be at Riviera Resort, and that's where you have your Disney Vacation Club membership, you have the ability to use your points anywhere you want within that seven-month booking window. But at the 11-month booking window, you get an advantage of getting the chance to book Riviera Resort before any other Disney Vacation Club member who does not have an ownership stake at Riviera Resort. So, That's really where the home advantage comes into play. If there's a resort that you love, that you know you want to go to, and you're prepared to book in that 7 to 11-month booking window um, ahead of time, then that's really going to be the property where you're going to want to have that home ownership in. Otherwise, everything else, you have that 7-month booking window. Again, there's lots of things to consider, lots of resale restrictions to keep in mind, and I don't want to necessarily dedicate this whole conversation to Disney Vacation Club because there's a lot of topics to get to. But if you want to learn more, if you're listening to the podcast or watching an Instagram live, we published a two-part episode about the basics of Disney Vacation Club. We call it The Basics, but it does talk about a rather comprehensive list of questions that we go through, and I have my special guest, Brooke and Philander, who many of you might already know. The three of us talk about we are Disney Vacation Club members, we've purchased at different times of um, you know our lives, and we have collectively a number of different resorts that we own between direct and resale, so it's a really robust conversation, and I think, from what I've heard from people who've listened, a very helpful conversation that has helped people decide if Disney Vacation Club is right for them, so something I recommend checking out if you are thinking about it. So I'm going to go to one that was asked in Instagram Live, and then I might pop back to some previous questions. And again, for those of you watching, any questions you have does not have to be about Disney Vacation Club. It could be about anything Disney, Um, technically even beyond that. Feel free to pose that in the question sticker, and I will respond to it. Um, So this question comes from Wishes Planning Services. What are you most excited about that was announced at Destination D23? We just did a really comprehensive hour and a half (laughs) discussion recapping all the announcements from Destination D23. There was certainly a lot of news that I was excited to hear. One that was most intrigued by, I would say, is the news about the... uh, tavern that's being added to Pirates of the Caribbean as a sort of expansion to it. I'm intrigued by where that's going to go, and I'm certainly intrigued by the theme and the ambience. I'm almost picturing a Trader Sam's, but with a Pirates of the Caribbean vibe, or, you know, something along those lines. I'm between the ambience and the music and the, I'm sure, drink options are going to be very interesting. I'm hoping for some really unique, uh, like small plates and perhaps some appetizers and entrees to choose from, some desserts, whatever that might be. I'm excited for the menu and overall the ambience, plus getting the Barker bird back, who many of you watching or listening might not remember. But when Pirates of the Caribbean opened for many, many decades, many years, there was a a talking parrot Animatronic at the front entrance of Pirates of the Caribbean that would sort of repeat um, these pirate phrases to get drop people into the attraction, and then that was removed, I believe, with the 2006 refurbishments when they added in the movie characters and um, different uh, parts of the attraction that that sort of harken back to the Pirates of the Caribbean films. So excited to see that, but more importantly. I I think I'm with most or a lot of Disney fans, and I'm really excited about Tropical Americas coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, I think that's going to really add a new dynamic to the park, especially now that we'll have Africa, Asia, and Tropical Americas. It's a totally different part of the world that is not represented um, in any large way to this scale at the Disney parks. So. You know, I know a lot of people wanted that. You know, there's been rumors for literally 15 plus years, as long as I can remember, about a potential like Brazil pavilion that all that a lot of Disney fans want to see in Epcot as added to World Showcase. I think this takes it a step further, Um, while not necessarily Brazil is being featured (laughs) directly in Tropical Americas, the fact that it is drawing inspiration from the northern half of South America and even Central America, some regions in there. Um, we should get a very interesting theme and ambience for that part of the park. Maybe some wildlife. We'll see if they add that into their concepts. And then the idea of an Encanto-based attraction and a an Indiana Jones attraction, which it seems, based on the concept art, looks like will probably replace Dinosaur. Very easy to do. They have two existing Indiana Jones EMV-style attractions at two other Disney parks, at Tokyo Disney Resort and at the Disneyland Resort. So it's pretty easy. It uses the same track layout, to sort of re that into an Indiana Jones attraction. I just hope it's going to be a little bit unique to Animal Kingdom and fit within the mythology and the theme of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And I'm sure the Imagineers will find a way to tie that story together. And I have some ideas for even how I would do it. Um, so I'm really curious to see what they come up with. But certainly that's going to draw a lot Of fans of Encanto and Indiana Jones into the park and for those who even aren't fans of those two movies or those two franchises it's still going to add something really interesting to Animal Kingdom so that's the piece of news that I'm probably the most excited about that was a rather major piece of news to look forward to hope that answers your question and as I said if you do want to hear more about all the news that was announced I'm sure you can you can find lots of information out there but One of the sources I would encourage you to check out is our podcast where you can hear a full conversation with Serena from Living by Disney. We go through and sort of analyze all the announcements and news we got and all the updates we got at Destination D23. And if you are fans of Dinoland USA and Dinosaur, because I know I just talked about tropical Americas, I just happened to do a podcast episode over the summer that's a deep dive into the Imagineering, the backstory, the details of dino land as a whole and dinosaur and it's fit within that land so you might find that interesting to listen back to as well this comes from ryan why do annual pass holders get better and more discounts compared to disney vacation club when disney vacation club spends way more money in the long run i think you have to compare what those discounts are i have actually a lot of cases when we go out to a restaurant at disney for instance you'll find that the when i ask them do you offer discounts for disney vacation club or annual passes they'll often say yes and i'll say which one's better and they'll say well it's the same um it's generally the same for shopping and for or for merchandise i should say and for um annual pass are oh, and for dining. Those generally are the same. There might be some exceptions here and there where you might find a, a slightly larger discount for annual passes, a slightly larger discount for Disney Vacation Club members. But there's something to keep in mind with Disney Vacation Club membership, which is that you technically are already getting a significant discount on Disney resorts. Um, you know, the the formal language is up to 50% off Disney Vacation Club um, or off off resort stays that's compared to rack rate so that's assuming you can't get a discount that's also there's a lot of financial assumptions that are at play there there are things you have to keep in mind like the time value of money um, th- there's a lot of financial investment principles um, that you have to keep in mind when you're looking into the Vacation Club membership but on the surface um, yes like they're offering 35% off rooms for annual pass holders right now throughout the holiday season and for the Um, Even they just announced for early 2024 uh, for annual pass holders, 35% off or up to 35% off. But Disney Vacation Club members are technically already getting more than that and a discount on their room stays, even when you factor in the annual dues. I've run the projections myself, and while financing it and depending on your interest rate can affect this a little bit, the actual value of Disney Vacation Club membership is sometimes more than 50%. Um, It depends on how you use it, and it depends on, again, how you paid for it, What your if you're financing it, what your interest rate looks like. A lot of things that I can't put a blanket statement over because there's a lot of factors that are dependent upon it. If you went through resale, if you went through direct, what home resort you have, again, lots of different factors at play. But generally speaking, your room discount is already a lot larger than the annual pass discount. So just to prove it, I actually have been tracking how much we pay on average factoring in our large purchase price for the villas at Disney's grand floridian and our annual dues how much in today's dollars we're spending on a room at grand floridian and i could probably even pull it up while we're chatting because i have been literally just to kind of for my own personal interest i've been curious to see what my my uh cost benefit it has been over in real time um so we have a trip coming up in the winter where we're staying at grand floridian um and the average cost per night that i associated with that resort stay in disney vacation club dollars is about 280 dollars a night for room at grand floridian and the Current rack rate with the 35% discount for that same time period is 660 a night. That's with the 35% discount. Um, so technically, again, Disney Vacation Club members are already they've kind of locked into that um, that discount ahead of time. The other thing is that unless you're a Florida resident, the only annual pass you can get out of state is the pass. But Disney Vacation Club membership unlocks the Sorcerer Pass for you. There's some blockout dates that the Pass doesn't have. But in the case for my family, we generally don't go during those blockout dates, which are the week of Thanksgiving and the back couple of weeks of the year during the holiday season around the busy Christmas season that sort of uh, goes into the beginning of the the following year. Um, So we're looking at like about two to three weeks that it's blocked out. But the difference in cost is over $400 per annual pass. So if once even Maggie is old enough to have an annual pass, between the three of us, we'll be saving over $1,200 a year in annual passes by being Disney Vacation Club members, just to have that ability to purchase that Sorcerer Pass. So there's lots of other things that are bucketed in, plus the membership events that are limited to Disney Vacation Club members. So A few times a year, they have a um, Moonlight Magic event at the parks after hours where they close down the park. That is free for Disney Vacation Club members. So you're talking about a free after hours event, too. Um, Long story short, there's, again, a lot of factors at play. If you just look on the surface of, yes, the formal merchandise discount and the formal dining discount, they're about equivalent for both memberships, annual passes, and Disney Vacation Club. But overall, I still think when I am adding up all of the benefits and the discounts and the savings that come from Disney Vacation Club membership, they do far outweigh the discounts that come with the annual pass. It's just a matter of how you use it. And those are also factors at play in deciding if Disney Vacation Club membership is worth it for you because it is not worth it for everybody. Um, It is a select group that it is worth it for. Um, But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this Instagram, Instagram chances are you go to Disney frequently enough that it might be worth at least looking into. Um, So that is, I hope, uh, a long way of answering the question as to how the discounts do stack up. Um, But personally, I do see the discounts and the value stacking up a little bit more with Disney Vacation Club membership, just all the extras that come with it. And the embedded value in the ownership itself um, does tend to outweigh the annual pass value. Let's go back to some of the questions that were sent in previously. There was one I addressed in a previous Instagram Live that did not make it into a podcast episode. So I did want to bring up this question again, which was going on a honeymoon to Disney and Universal, which is okay. Um, I don't go to Universal as often, but that's because most of the rides there make me motion sick. So not as much value I get out of it, which is sad to say as a Harry Potter fan, but um, I don't get to Universal quite as often but I think it's a great way to spend your honeymoon to sort of see the Orlando theme park attractions. How would you recommend getting between the two? So there's two ways I think about this. One is if you want to think about these as two separate trips or one combined trip. If you were thinking about them as two separate trips, I would do one after the other and thinking think about it that way. So maybe start with um, Universal Studios, Pick your favorite hotel property uh, or resort at Universal. Stay there for a couple nights, two, three nights, however much time you want at Universal. Spend your time enjoying all the, the the attractions and amenities at Universal. And then, if you're not renting a car, just take a car service. You know, call an Uber or Lyft or whatever. Pick your pick your favorite car service. Bring your luggage to a Disney resort. And then stay there for the length of a Disney vacation. So that could be, you know, again, pick wherever you're staying, wherever you would like to stay for your honeymoon, and make that your home for your Walt Disney World stay. At that point, you just have a Disney vacation. So that's one way to think about it is two separate trips in one that you do one after the other. If, however, you don't want to change rooms and you want to have sort of one home to go back to throughout the length of your stay... In that case I'd probably choose Disney. Not only because I'm a Disney fan, but also because you have more to do at Walt Disney World. Have that be your home resort or your 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 stay for the trip, wherever that might be if you're going on your honeymoon, make it something special. That something special doesn't have to be the honey, like the the grand presidential suite at your at a deluxe resort. It could be as simple as you know, treating yourself to Port Orleans French Quarter and all its charm. Um, it's a great moderate property. If you normally stay at Pop Century or All-Star Resorts, treat yourself to a moderate resort. Could be French Quarter, could be Caribbean Beach, could be Coronado Springs and Grand Esteno Tower. Not a bad choice. You have a lot of great options. Maybe treat yourself to club level and Kronos Club. Okay, I've, I've filled in for <laughs> my Coronado quota for today. Um, but pick your favorite resort, uh, you know, something that you want to splurt on, and it could be a deluxe resort. And just pick that as your home resort. So splurge on something you normally don't for your honeymoon. And then if you do want to spend a couple of days, one or two days at Universal, I recommend just again using Uber or Lyft or a similar car service to take that to Universal for the day and head back at the end of the day. Um, Whether that's one day at the parks or two days in the park, you might do that two days in a row. But you'll have to decide what makes the most sense for you on this particular trip and what you're looking to accomplish. Uh, But those are two different ways to go about it. I did have one other question, at least that I wanted to get to from previously submitted questions, but I'm also scrolling through the comments now that I see that I have not caught up. There was one that was added to the question sticker, so thank you for adding it to the question sticker because, again, I did not see it until just now. Someone else um, wishes planning services excited for the Indiana Jones attraction as well. I'm very happy for uh, I'm very glad uh more than happy to answer your question hello from argentina to christian i think that okay i caught up to the comments there's one other question that came in here oh great question sydney you know my vibes very well what is your favorite calm or low-key thing to do at christmas time in walt disney world which did remind me of another question that got sent in that i can address as well um so the my favorite thing to do during the holiday season that's that's sort of low key, there's a couple of things. If it's specific, because you're asking specifically about Christmas time in Walt Disney World. Um, and I'm really happy by the way that you were taking your one year old for the first time. Talk about a magical first trip to Disney during the holidays. You're gonna have an amazing time. I went during the summer, it was incredibly hot, and it was still magical. So holidays, cooler weather, enchanting, charming atmosphere. It's definitely going to be a really fun time. So Two answers for you. Um, one is Disney Springs. A little bit more low-key. Um, you know, Bring that stroller with you. Always recommend Kingdom Strollers. Uh, we've now used them. This is going to be our third or fourth time using them. It's 100% of the trips that we've taken Maggie on to Walt Disney World, we have used Kingdom Strollers. Um, the first time, they sponsored us, but we have paid full price every time since because the value is there. We love Kingdom Strollers, so... Bring your kingdom stroller with you um, and uh, or if you're taking one from home, that works too. Um, But bring that stroller with you to Disney Springs and just kind of stroll around, maybe pick somewhere to eat for lunch. Middle of the day is usually good at Disney Springs because it's not quite as crowded as the end of the day when locals are out from work and going to Disney Springs and kids are out of school and going to Disney Springs and um, even the guests who have visited the parks are maybe doing dinner at Disney Springs. So, middle of the day, low key Disney Springs visit. Still will be a little crowded. It's the holiday season, so there's lots of shopping happening, but that's one way to go. Second one that's a little bit more like Disney vacation focused, I guess, is to do resort hopping. Because at Christmas time, all of the resorts take on their own unique holiday vibe. They each have their own holiday Christmas tree. If you look closely at the ornaments, they are match the theme of that particular resort they are decked out in holiday decor and they often have their own holiday music loop so even think about animal kingdom lodge an eclectic mix of um you know the the music loop i should say is an eclectic mix of uh various uh, music from various african cultures lots of pop and um folk music sort of blended together in that resort but now it's holiday real holiday African holiday music um, during the holiday season so it could be a Swahili and I've what I've listed is like a Swahili version of Oh holy night um, it, it's it's just really incredible to to hear the differences in each one of these properties um, that the music changes to fit still the theme but with a holiday vibe and then the decor changes so resort hopping, very low key resorts in the middle of the day, especially, are often very quiet, and it's a great way to not have that you know holiday crowd at the parks and still get that Disney magic. Still, can interact with the cast members, pick a couple of the resorts that you want to dine at, could be quick service, generally, table service at the resorts is the way to go. Um, so and you can sort of map out. In fact, that's one of the things I should probably do is to sort of map out um, and post an itinerary for how to do a resort hopping stay um, at Disney, or resort hopping day at Disney. Um, but those are a couple things. And then, of course, I say resort hopping. You can also just chill at your own resort, especially if you're staying at a moderate or a deluxe resort that generally come with more amenities, more things to do, more activities at the resorts. The value resorts have them too. Um, go and enjoy your time at the resort. Um, even, you know, if you're staying at Caribbean Beach, take advantage of... All those amenities, maybe hop on the Skyliner over to Riviera Resort and have dinner at Topolino's Terrace, something to enjoy and have a calming resort day. So that would be my advice for a low-key, calm thing to do um, that you could spend almost a whole day doing during the holiday season. So that prompts a question about the holiday season. We are coming up to the holiday season. I'm really excited. This is the first time in four years that I'm going to be back for the holidays. I technically was back two years ago during the holiday season for Destination D23, but I was really just in the conference center the entire weekend. I hopped into Magic Kingdom for two hours. That was my extensive holiday magic for the last four years at Disney. Um, So I'm excited to go back and take Maggie and Joanna to... Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Joanna and I haven't been in four years. Maggie, of course, has never been. So excited to take her for her first Christmas party. I will be going to Jollywood Nights for the opening night. So excited to see what Disney has in store for us for that. But one of the questions that did come in was about, and this was from previously submitted questions, was about the crowds during the holiday season. Um, And it is true that during the holiday season at Disney, the crowds, depending on which week you go, can be a little bit higher than other times of year, especially if you go the week of Thanksgiving, it's pretty busy. And the week that takes place from essentially Christmas Eve, Christmas day until new year's day, and even add on a couple of days on either side of that, it's one of the busiest weeks of the year at Disney. So that means that you should expect to have more crowds than another time of year at the parks and even at the resorts. Um, but that being said, one thing I'm glad that Disney has done, and this is a, a good use case for theme park reservations, is have theme park reservations during the holiday season. Because I remember before theme park reservations, when you would buy a park ticket or a park hopper, you'd have to show up at Magic Kingdom by 10 a.m. because on Christmas Day or New Year's Eve. Because on either one of those days, by 10, 11 a.m., park's at capacity, no one else is coming into that park. So even if you have a park ticket... You're kind of having to navigate to another park. Now, yes, the parks are likely going to be booked up at this point or getting close to booked up at this point, but you know in advance which park you have, and you don't have to worry. Even if you have a Magic Kingdom reservation, if you show up at 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you're still getting in. You have that theme park reservation, um, and you're guaranteed a spot in the park for that day. So that's a really nice thing that they, I think, has actually helped. Guests is during these peak seasons. I think that's where Theme Park Reservations has really shined and helped guests. Um, The main thing that I always see, and this is true during the holiday season or any other time of year where people get upset is when expectations exceed reality. And I've talked about this before, but people expect sometimes, um, just because they don't know, um, that they might go during that week, that busy week, and they're going to, we go to Magic Kingdom for one day, and they're going to hit every attraction on the list. Even with Genie+, Plus, even with purchasing an individual lightning lane for Tron. It's probably not going to happen. You're probably not going to hit every single attraction at Magic Kingdom Park on New Year's Eve. So, you pick and prioritize what the most important things are for you during the holiday season. Which could be, you know, I really... Every time I go to Magic Kingdom, I just I have to get on Peter Pan's flight and I have to get on Space Mountain and I have to get on Thunder Mountain. Well, I would first of all recommend Genie Plus because those are pretty popular attractions. Maybe you first thing in the morning get a Genie Plus reservation for Space Mountain and then you rope drop Peter Pan's flight. After you ride Space Mountain, you get Genie Plus for Thunder Mountain. You maybe then get in line for another attraction and then everything else that day becomes a bonus, a surplus. And you don't have to limit it to three things. It could be five or six or seven things. But limit what your priorities are to just be the most important. Like these are my true must-dos. These are the ones that I would be very disappointed if I left without doing. So that's where I would recommend sort of managing expectations and knowing that if you traditionally go the second week in September, and now this is your first time going for the holiday week, there's gonna it's gonna be more crowded than the second week in September. Um, kids are back in school, summer's over, uh, parents generally even adults generally working. Sometimes people take time off during the second week of September to go to Disney, um, but even locals in school, working, you know, you're just sort of in that um, school year mode. So it's not as crowded as that holiday week so managing your expectations is really important going into the holiday season fortunately the weather is usually very nice it sometimes can even be on the cool side um i've broken out my you know winter coat at disney during the holiday season at times so it's it the weather can fluctuate but it's generally not going to be 96 degrees and humid like it is in august so that's a, a real benefit of um of going at this time of year, but if you can go during the holidays, not during the peak times. So we're talking like the first couple of weeks of December, first couple of weeks of November. Although actually, for the Veterans Day week is sometimes the exception to that rule. But um, first couple of weeks of December, let's say, uh, that's a time where you can sort of lower the crowds, get the holiday magic. But that's a way that you can sort of navigate around the crowds. And the big part again is managing expectations, knowing that it's going to be crowded, and prioritizing what your true must haves are to, you know, no more than five or six um, at the park, and then everything else becomes a bonus on top of that. And knowing that you're probably not going to get Cinderella's Royal Table last minute on Christmas Day, um, those are things that even 60 days out are hard to book. So, uh, you know, you're looking at either mobile ordering quick service or choosing the less popular restaurants and booking those in advance to know that you have a place to dine during that busy week. Um... Caroline asks, am I a Harry Potter fan as well? I am. I read all eight eight movies, seven books. (laughs) So he's saying eight. I read all seven books when they came out. um, Before even the films, uh, I was reading those books. I was a fan of the books even before the movies. Um, Proud Ravenclaw. uh, So that's where my my, um, Hogwarts house is. And um, actually currently... Not only do I have this annual tradition during the holiday season, the Halloween season, of rewatching the Harry Potter films, and I actually do that with my Patreon subscribers. So we're now we just watched Chamber of Secrets on Monday. We're gonna be watching um, Prisoner of Azkaban on Monday next week. Um, so not only do I have that tradition, but I'm also currently rereading the books because it has been so long, and it has been a lot of fun to go back and reread the books and point out now that I know the movies more than I remember the books point out some of the differences um in the books and it even from the first page of the first book reminded me why i was so hooked on harry potter um when i was growing up and uh and today that being said as i mentioned before we talked about universal i one of my my griefs with universal is that just about everything there induces motion sickness for people who are prone to motion sickness so I can't do any Harry Potter attraction <laughs> at Universal um, other than strolling around and grabbing a butterbeer. So that makes me a little upset. Like I kind of wish that they would make things more accessible for people, but look, they're serving a different audience. I'm clearly not who they're going after, um, which is fine. Um, they have another market that they're trying to attract, um, so I tend to stick to the, the shops and the ambience more than the attractions that, again, I sadly cannot do um okay there were a few other questions that were sent in ahead of time that i did not get to that i want to and any other questions um that any of you have on instagram live feel free to pop them into the question sticker um here's a a quick one what is the most underrated and the most overrated quick service location at a disney resort second parks in terms of overall food atmosphere and pricing underrated and overrated at a Disney resort you know I don't know if there are any overrated quick service locations at a Disney resort only because I don't know if generally for quick service you're just thinking about eating at your resort like you're not gonna hop to another resort usually you're not gonna hop to another resort to eat quick service um so I don't know and I'm trying to just I'm, I'm going through all the resorts in my head and thinking about one that might be overrated from a quick service location i i don't think there's one that is overrated um underrated though that one is interesting is there an underrated quick service location at a disney resort i would again just sort of going through all the properties in my head and trying to think about the ones that uh, i think are underrated um you know the first one that popped in my head and i'm gonna i have only one one reason why i say this is the Mara at um, Jumbo House, and the reason why I say that is because one of my favorite desserts at Disney are zebra domes, which many people think you can only get at Boma. but if you go into the Mara, into the refrigerated section, they have a prepackaged group of four zebra domes in there for you to just go and pick up and eat, so for me, that makes it quite underrated. Nothing else. Nothing else. I can think. There's definitely nothing that's overrated. Because again, I don't think people overrate quick service at the Disney resorts too much. Um, maybe the parks. Um, I have a couple in mind, but resorts. I would say um, mostly you're looking at underrated at the Disney resorts. Second question I want to address that came in previously was about Disneyland because we have only been talking about Walt Disney World right now. So this question is rides that are unique to Disneyland. I'm only requesting this selfishly as we're going there for the first time next year after over 20 years of visiting Disney World and Disneyland Paris. So I'm really happy to hear that you are going to Disneyland. I will be there. Well, if you're watching Instagram live next week, if you're listening to the podcast episode, I was already there, but um, I'm going back next week. I'm excited to go back. There are many rides that are unique to Disneyland because not only are the same attractions different at Disneyland, but also they do have some unique ones. So first of all, California adventure, you're pretty much talking about all unique attractions. With the exception of, um, Soarin' and Toy Story Mania, everything is unique. So Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, and Credit Coaster, um, Grizzly River Run, uh, Web Slingers, the Spider-Man attraction over at Avengers Campus, Avengers Campus itself, um, Radiator Springs Racers, and Cars Land as a whole, um, totally unique. So, uh, California Adventure is a totally different experience from any other Disney park that you visit. A very unique vibe and um is a really wonderful park. So, it's it's worth going to Disneyland even just for Disney California Adventure. Disneyland uh unique attractions include Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, Matterhorn Bobsleds, um Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin, you have star tours in Disneyland and Tomorrowland, is somewhat unique, but of course, you get that at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, oh, Pinocchio's Daring Journey, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride lots of unique attractions. Um, even Snow White's Enchanted Wish things that you're not going to find. Casey Jr. I'm like rattling off off my head as I'm thinking about them. Lots of unique attractions. Some that are the same Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, Millennium falcon Smugglers Run, pretty much identical. Um Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, if you're a savvy Disney fan, you'll notice that there are differences not only in the design of the mountain, but also in the track itself. It's mirror image of Walt Disney Worlds with some slight different surprises in there. Um, and the theme is a slight different variation of Thunder Mountain. So that makes it somewhat unique. Space Mountain, certainly, although it's there's a Space Mountain at almost every Disney park, unique at Disneyland. Um, one of my favorite versions actually is at Disneyland. Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. If you're used to Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, it's like even better than Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Main reason being, you know, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, the the Astro Blasters are uh, attached to the seat. So you kind of have to pivot it, um, almost like Toy Story Midway Mania. But at Disneyland, you can actually pick up and sort of point and shoot, excuse me, point and shoot. I just hit the mic as I'm pointing and shooting my <laughs> Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster. Um, so that that's really cool. And then I've always said that, you know, Haunted Mansion is is also different past a certain point, especially starting in Madame Leota's scene. You'll notice that it is somewhat similar, but you've got some definite differences at the Haunted Mansion, especially when it comes to the exterior and the um, everything preload experience is, is quite different. And Pirates of the Caribbean, best version. In my opinion, most people say Pirates of the Caribbean, Battle for the Sunken Treasure at Shanghai Disney. I still think the original at Disneyland is the best. Um, and certainly compared to Walt Disney World's Q, 100% better at Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom. Ride Experience, 100% better at Disneyland. Twice as long, literally twice as long as the Magic Kingdom's version. Um, very cool New Orleans um, Sort of Bayou style opening sequence. It's just, it's a great attraction. Another one I've done a full podcast episode about. Um, so those were the, the two. And then the only other one that got submitted earlier that I did not address is that it seems like, it's how the question reads Do you think there is a reason we have been getting teasers of Muppets coming back to the parks, but nothing significant? Are they just not popular enough? Um, I think that they're popular enough that they're being included in a lot of this enough. Certainly, Destination D23, the Muppets were very present there. Um, But yeah, they generally do tend to have these little periodic additions to the parks. So even the um, brewing lab at Epcot's International Food and Wine Festival is somewhat unique um, and like a temporary addition with the Muppets course you still have Muppet Vision 3D which is one of my favorite attractions there uh, it's a great show at Disney's Hollywood Studios classic show at Disney's Hollywood Studios um for a while they had um, Muppets Presents America over at Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom um, and they tend to pop up here and there they had Muppet Mobile Labs but I think they just make for a fun addition to the park experiences more so than a devoted dedicated um attraction beyond Muppet Vision 3D and it, the question really is do the Muppets get a second attraction because they, they already have technically an attraction um, and in most cases um, there might be some exceptions here and there I have to think about but most characters and properties don't get two attractions at the same resort um, so there's arguably a case for Muppets to come to Disneyland but uh, I don't know if the Muppets are popular enough that Disney feels the need for a second Muppets attraction at the Disney parks. Um, That, and they, you know, technically they have their own courtyard, Muppet courtyard at Disney's Hollywood studios. There's also pizza Rizzo. So there's, there's, um, there's definitely value enough to the Muppets that they've kept Muppet vision 3d and the Muppets courtyard and a dedicated quick service space to the Muppets, which is a great quick service place at Hollywood studios. Just the, the humor in that quick service location, the reading, the trash cans is funny. Um, So that's, and and you know definitely the fact that they include them in these uh, presentations and announcements is just a lot of fun. They're they're just great fun characters to include. So, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's it's the question is worded in a way that implies that the Muppets aren't don't have a significant attraction. And yes, they don't have like a major eight ticket roller coaster, but they do have a, a great three D show that you can go back and enjoy. And I don't know why they're you know other than being really fun characters I don't know why they uh, I almost felt the same thing that maybe this person did that there was some sort of Muppet announcement happening <laughs> at destination D 23 because there was a big Muppet presence but I was just you know I was glad that the Muppets were there it makes it a lot of fun um Phil I have time for just a couple more questions what is the best hidden gem at either a park or property that would have little to no weight and is a good break from the rides I think I published one yesterday actually on Instagram which is the Walt Disney World Railroad. Um, not many people think to ride the Walt Disney World Railroad. That's a little bit of a hidden gem. Another railroad, actually, that is a big hidden gem that is generally not crowded at all. In fact, a lot of people don't even know it exists, is the Wildlife Express train over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I am say, do you know that there's a train at Animal Kingdom? Most people are like, do you mean Expedition Everest? I'm like, no, an actual train At Animal Kingdom. Does it go around the park? Nope. But it does go to Rafiki's Planet Watch Conservation Station. Um, So taking the Wildlife Express train over to Conservation Station is a great way most days of the year, most times of the day, to sort of, like, get away from the crowds, have an enjoyable train ride experience through a backstage area at Animal Kingdom, and then get sort of a behind-the-scenes look at animal care and the affection section. I loved taking Maggie to that on our last trip, um, just sort of like going and petting the goats. They have brushes where you can pet the goats, you can feed the goats, they have some pigs there. Um, it's just there's llamas, like it's it's just a, a great, it's almost like a mini petting zoo, but done in Disney style. So it's just a great little addition to Animal Kingdom where you really do feel a more personal connection to the animals and especially learning more about animal care. Plus, they have an animation experience at um at conservation station. So there's, uh, that to me is one of the biggest hidden gems that most people don't know about it at all at Disney is the Wildlife Express train and Rafiki's Planet Watch. So that would be like a perfect way to get a good break from the rides, a break from the crowds. Rafiki's Planet Watch itself is an indoor air-conditioned building, not hard, not easy to find at Animal Kingdom in most lands. And uh, you know the affection section is outdoors, but that would be my answer to that question. Just scrolling through... Okay, and actually, this did remind me. There was one other question that came in previously, which is, "What is a Magic Key holder?" Um, so, a Magic Key holder is Disneyland speak for an annual pass holder. They have different levels of Magic Keys, um, but that's basically meaning different levels of annual passes. They're each subject to different blockout dates and restrictions, discounts, availability. So, the and I think even all Magic Keys are currently, at least as of the recording of this episode, sold out at Disneyland. Um, But a magic key is basically Disneyland's version of an annual pass. I bring that question up because there's a question about um, from B Edmondson 89, opinion on which annual pass holder package for a family of three, we have a young toddler, two years old, so we won't need one yet, but, um, and want to become annual pass holders, but don't know where to start on deciphering the packages. So the big thing is if you are not a Florida resident, you can only get the pass. The exception is... As I talked about earlier, if you are a Disney Vacation Club member, you also can get the Sorcerer Pass. They're both subject to availability, though. um, So if they are on sale, you can get them. And Disney has been restricting the number of annual passes that can be purchased at this point. So out of state, not Disney Vacation Club membership, you're looking at only the Pass. Out of state, Disney Vacation Club member, you also have the option to do the Sorcerer Pass. Florida Resident, you have all the others below it. Um, my best suggestion is to start, if you have all the options at your disposal is to actually start with when you want to go to the parks. Uh, because if the blockout dates are too restrictive where you're really not going to get a lot out of it, if you take that lowest level of annual pass, then it might not be worth it. Um, but if you are totally flexible on when you can go, Um, and you don't plan to go that often, and that seasonality doesn't affect you, then that's probably the option I would go with. Um, But certainly, the higher up in tiers you go, the fewer restrictions for blockout dates, and the more times you can go. Um, So that's the main consideration, is when you want to go. Um, Because otherwise, if you get the lowest level pass... And then there are other times a year that are blocked out that you want to go. You have to buy park tickets on top of that to have the access to the parks on those days. Um, So generally recommended that you go with the one that is going to make the most sense for when you want to travel. Honestly, even, you know, that in credit pass is certainly, you know, it's at the top of the list. It's got the highest price point, but still when I compared it to what I would have been paying, for my trips it ended up that I was coming out ahead with the in credit pass. So even that highest level, depending on how your family vacations could be valuable. Plus it does unlock. And here's where I saw the most value before being a Disney vacation club member. It does unlock, you know, pretty significant discounts. Sometimes as I mentioned earlier, right now, there's a 35% off room offer for, um, you know, for uh, the holiday season and in for early 2024 for annual pass holders. Discounts can be pretty steep. Um, You know, I was getting with that, it's why I stayed at Kronos Club a lot at Coronado Springs. I was getting a standard room at Kronos Club for about the same price as a moderate room, regular room at Grandesino Tower rack rate without the discount. So, um, you know, it leads to upgrade options that are at the same price that you would normally otherwise pay for something less with the rooms, not to mention, or, you know, or less for the same type of room or, you know, plus the the annual pass discounts, the, if you rent a car, free parking at the resorts, even if you're not staying, sorry, at free parking at the, uh, at the parks, even if you're not staying on property. Um, So lots of other things to consider, but also remember that your toddler two years old is not going to need a park ticket yet. It's when your toddler turns three that that park ticket or annual pass is needed. I know this because I'm going through the same process of thinking about which, annual pass we end up doing for um oh you're saying you're probably going to visit once or twice a month i'm sorry i missed that so yeah i would go for the higher ones um and credit pass or at least sorcerer pass if you have that ability if you are again a florida resident or disney vacation club member or if you um oh my goodness if you and if it's available that was the other thing i was going to mention anyway i think that was all the time i had for questions we filled up pretty much a full hour of Q&A with this Instagram live so anyone who's listening to the podcast if you are not on Instagram be sure to follow us for opportunities like this to ask your questions of course you can ask me questions that you have even beyond the scope of this An Instagram live if you're watching this podcast episode is going to be out the beginning of October um, it'll be the first podcast episode out the next actually the next podcast episode out so stay tuned for that uh, but as always if you don't subscribe to the podcast make sure to subscribe to the podcast i have patreon membership that's available you get even more than that um lots of great uh piece great content that comes with that and you can join and cancel with no strings attached at any time same thing goes for our relatively new um instagram subscription which i have been putting different types of more travel related content there for you to enjoy some of my park strategies and beyond so consider joining us over there but um if you're watching on instagram live i want to thank you so much for joining for sending in your questions and i hope you have a great rest of your day Welcome back to Imagination Central. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. It's, again, a different type of podcast episode, a little bit more conversational, a little bit more off the cuff, but I like to do these about once or twice a year because sometimes we hear about Disney news or we have questions about new ways to travel to Disney or old ways to travel to Disney and just you have questions about ways to make your trips a little bit better or more enjoyable or to do things a little bit more differently or, of course, to just even ask some fun and creative questions. I always... I'm amazed at some of the creative questions I get and I'm usually challenged with coming up with the the answers to some of these questions, but they are always a lot of fun. Of course, I do want to turn this conversation over to you and ask you. What questions you would like to ask me in a future episode of the show like this one the best way to do this is if you're listening on spotify don't worry if you're not i have another way but if you're listening on spotify if you scroll down there should be a question there for you to answer which is basically a submission form to ask more questions i'm going to keep that handy for our next podcast discussion like this which we'll probably do in the spring so i'll keep these handy If you do have questions you would like me to answer on a future episode of the show, can't guarantee I can get to all of them in a single episode, but I will do my best to get to as many as possible so you can submit your questions there. Of course, if you're not listening on Spotify, or if you would prefer to engage with us in another way, you can find us on social media. Best ways to find those social media channels are to either go to imaginationskyway.com and search for the links that I provided for you there, or simply go to your favorite social media app and search for Imagination Skyway. It's a great way. You can either send in your answers by sending me a direct message, or you can ask me those questions in an email or whatever way you see fit. Perhaps I'll post something in our Facebook group that will solicit questions for future episodes like this if you don't already subscribe to the show make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you're listening to the show on and if you love the show a great way to help us out is to leave us a rating and a review in that app especially if you're listening on apple podcasts and spotify the two largest podcast apps at this point But no matter what app you're listening on, if you enjoy the show, it's a great way to let others know that you enjoy listening and to encourage them to hit that play button and to subscribe to the show as well. I already plugged it at the beginning of this episode, but if you want to take your love of Imagination Skyway to the next level, you have two ways to do that, our Patreon group and Instagram subscription. You can learn more about both of those by heading to the appropriate pages, which are patreon.com slash podcast Never updated the URL because although I changed the name, I still wanted to make sure that people knew where to go. And over on Instagram at instagram.com slash imagination skyway. And thanks to our 150 plus subscribers in both of those communities. I cannot express enough how you help this show. It truly, I know I say this, but it's truly the case the show would not be possible without you. So I sincerely appreciate your support. As always, I want to thank you so much for riding aboard Imagination Skyway. And remember, if we can dream it, we can do it. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, I am Sam Eagle, and these are some important safety instructions Excuse for me, you. Sam, Sam! Not now, don't. Hey, Sam, this is urgent. Come here. Hey, come what, here. what is, what? Is? What's going on? Hmm? Mm-hmm. What? Yes. <gasps> really? Here? The, right over there. Well, well of course, certainly. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have an unexpected surprise. I have the great honor of introducing the one, the only, Mr. Mickey Mouse. Oh, Hello. Hi, dear. Welcome to my park. How you doing? Uh, Hello. Whoa, 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 What? You are not Mickey Mouse. You are a rat. Wretch, Matt. Besides, they're tourists. What do they know? Will you get out of here? Okay, but do I still get my ten bucks? Get out, get out, get out. out. I've got Uh. Donald Duck back here. Will you get out? Yes! (sighs) I apologize.